Part 5 of Biltmore Oswald, The Diary of a Hapless Recruit by J. Thorne Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Boydell. Part 5 May 11th. What navy do you belong to? asked an ensign, stopping me today. The Chinese? "'Why do you ask, sir?' I replied, saluting gracefully. "'Of course I don't belong to the Chinese Navy.' "'What's your rating?' he snapped. "'Sure, girl. First class, attached to the good ship Biff Bang, sir,' came my prompt retort. "'Well, put a watchmark on your arm, sailor, and put it there pronto, or you'll be needing an understudy to pinch it for you.' As a matter of fact, I have never put my watchmark on for the simple reason that I have been rather expecting a rating at any moment. But it seems as if my expectations were doomed to disappointment. Nothing matters much anyway now, however, for I have been selected from among all the men in the station to play the part of a showgirl in the coming magnificent Pelham production, Biff Bang. At last I have found the occupation to which, by training and inclination, I am naturally adapted. The grand moguls that are running this show came around the barracks the other day, looking for material, and when they gazed upon me, I felt sure that their search had not been in vain. "'Why don't you write a nut part for him?' asked one of the playwrights, as they surveyed me critically, as if I was some rare specimen of bug life. "'That would never do,' he answered. Real nuts can never play the part on stage. You've got to have a man of intelligence. Look here, I broke in. You've got to stop talking about me before my eyes as if I wasn't really present. Nuts I may be, but I can still understand English, even when badly spoken, and I resent it. Lay off that stuff, or I'll be constrained to introduce you to a new brand of biff-bang. Saying this, I struck an heroic attitude, but it seemed to produce no startling change in their calm, deliberate examination of me. "'He'll do, I think, as a showgirl,' the dance-master mused dreamily. "'Like a cabbage. Every one of his features is bad, but the whole effect is not revolting. Strange, isn't it, how such things happen?' At this point the musician broke in. "'He ain't a-going to dance to my music if I know it. He'll ruin it.' at which remark I executed a few rather simple but nevertheless neat steps I had learned at the last charity bazaar to which I had contributed my services, and these few steps were sufficient to close the deal. I was signed up on the spot. As they were leaving the barracks, one excited young person ran up and halted the arrogant thespians. "'If I get the doctor to remove my Adam's apple,' he pleaded wistfully, "'do you think you could take me on as a pony?' "'No,' said one of them, not without a certain show of kindness. "'I fear not. "'It would be necessary for him to remove the greater part of your map "'and graft a couple of pounds onto your sadly unendowed limbs.' "'From that day on, my life has become one of unremitting toil.' Together with the rest of the showgirls, I vamp and slouch my way around the clock with ever-increasing seductiveness. We are really doing splendidly. The ponies come leaping lightly across the floor, waving their freckled, muscular arms from side to side, and looking very unattractive indeed in their BVDs, high shoes and sock supporters. 
I can see it all, says the director, in an enthusiastic voice, and if he can, I'll admit he has some robust quality of imagination that I fail to possess. Us showgirls, of course, have to be a little more modest than the ponies, so we retain our white trousers. These are rolled up, however, in order to afford the mosquitoes, who are covering the show most conscientiously, room to roost on. And sad to relate, the life is beginning to affect the boys. Only yesterday I saw one of our toughest ponies vamping up the aisle of Mess Hall 2 with his tray held over his head in the manner of a Persian slave girl. The Jimmy Legs, witnessing this strange sight, dropped his jaw and forgot to lift it up again. Sweet attire of roses, he muttered. Whatever has happened to our poor, long-suffering navy? At the door of the mess hall, the pony bowed low to the deck and withdrew with a coy backward flirt of his foot. I can't express in words the remarkable appearance made by some of our seagoing chorus girls when they attempt to assume the light and airy graces of the real article. Some of the men have so deeply entered into their parts that they have attained absolute self-forgetfulness, with the result that they leap and preen about in a manner quite startling to the dispassionate spectator. My career so far has not been a personal triumph. In the middle of a number the other night, the dancing master clapped his hands violently together, a signal he uses when he wants all motion to cease. "'Take em down to the end of the room, boys,' he said, I can tell three minutes ahead of time when things are going to go wrong. That man on the end didn't have a thought in his head. He would have smeared the entire number. I was the man on the end. May 23rd This has not been a particularly agreeable day. Although to a woman, no doubt, it would have been laden with moments of exquisite ecstasy. Feminine apparel for me has lost forever the charm of mystery that formerly touched it with enchantment. There is nothing I do not know now. Its innermost secret has been revealed, and its revelation has brought with it its full burden of war. All knowledge is pain, and vice versa. I have always admired women, whether so profoundly as they have admired me, I know not. However that may be, I have always admired them collectively and individually in the past, but after today's experience my admiration is tinged with pity. The source of these reflections lies in the no less an article than a corset. As a showgirl, it has been my lot to be provided with one of these fiendish devices of medieval days. It is too much. The corset must go. No woman could have experienced the pain and discomfort I have been subjected to this day without feeling entitled to the vote. Yet I dare say these are women who will gladly be poured into a new corset every day of their lives. They can have mine for the asking. Life at its best presents a narrow enough outlook without resorting to cunningly wrought devices such as corsets in order further to confine one's point of view or abdomen, which amounts to the same thing. The whale is a noble animal. It was a very good idea, the whale and I love every bone in its body, so long as it keeps them there. So tightly was my body clutched in the embrace of this vicious contraption that I found it impossible to inhale my much-needed cigarette. The smoke would descend no further than my throat. The rest of me was a closed port, 
a roadway blocked to traffic. I have suffered. But there were also other devices, other soft, seductive understrappings. I know them all to their last, most intimate detail. I feel that now I could join a women's sewing circle and talk with as much authority and wisdom as the most veteran corset were a present. My views would be radical, perhaps, but at least they would have the virtue of being refreshing. However, I can see some good coming out of my unavoidably acquired knowledge of female attire. In future days, while my wife is out purchasing shirts and neckties for me, I can easily employ my time to advantage in shopping around Fifth Avenue in search of the correct thing in lingerie for her. It will be a great help to the household, and I am sure to impress my wife with the depth of range of my education, which I will be able to tell her, thank God, was innocently acquired. May 28th I am slowly forming back into my pristine shape, but only after having been freed from bondage for some hours. After several more sodas, concoctions, which up till recently I have despised as injurious, I guess I will have filled out my usual dimensions around the waistline. But when I consider the long days of womanhood stretched out before me in future, I will admit it is with a sinking not only of the waist, but also of the heart. More indignities have been heaped upon me. Why did I ever take up the profession of a showgirl? Today I fell into the clutches of the barbers. They were not gentle clutches, brutal rather and such an outspoken lot they were at that. "'What's that?' asked one of them, as I stood rather nervously before him with bared chest. "'Why, that,' I replied, a trifle disconcerted. "'That's my chest.' He looked at me for a moment, and then smiled a slow, pitiful smile. "'Hey, Tony,' he suddenly called to his colleague, "'come over here a moment to see what this bird claims to be a chest.' All this yelled in the face of the entire Biff Bang Company. It was more inhuman and debasing than my first physical examination in public. The doctors on this occasion, although they had not complimented me, had at least been comparatively impersonal in dispatching their offices, but these men were far from being impersonal. I perceived with horror that it was their intention to use my chest as a means of bringing humour into their drab existences. Tony came and surveyed me critically. That, he drawled musically, is not a chest. That is the bottom part of his neck. I know it is, replied the other, but somehow his arms have got mixed up in the middle of it. Tony shrugged his shoulders eloquently. He assumed the appearance of a man completely baffled. Honestly now, young fellow, continued my first tormentor, are you serious when you tell us that that is your chest? He drew attention to the highly disputed territory by poking me diligently with his thumb. "'That's the part the doctor always listens to whenever I had a cold,' I replied as indifferently as possible. The man pondered over this for a moment. "'Well,' he replied at length, "'probably the doctor was right, but to the impartial observer it would seem to be, as my friend Tony so accurately observed, the bottom part of your neck.' "'It really doesn't matter much after all,' I replied, hoping to close the conversation. "'You all were not sent here to establish the location of the different parts of my anatomy, anyway.' The man appeared not to have heard me. 
"'I'd swear,' he murmured musingly, standing back and regarding me with a tilted head, "'I swear it was his neck if it weren't for his arms.' He suddenly discontinued his dreamy observations and became all business. "'Well, sir,' he began briskly, "'now that we've settled that, what do you want me to do to it?' "'Why, shave it, of course,' I replied bitterly. "'That's what you're here for, isn't it? "'All us showgirls have to have our chest shaved.' "'And after I've shaved your chest, dear,' he asked in a soothing voice, "'what do you want me to do with it?' "'With what?' I replied, enraged. "'With my chest?' "'No,' he answered easily, "'not your chest, but that one poor little pitiful hair that adorns it. "'Do you want me to send it home to your ma, "'all tied around with a pink ribbon?' "'I saw no reason to reply to this insult, "'but stood uneasily and tried to maintain my dignity "'while he lathered me with undue elaboration. "'When it was time for him to produce his razor, he faltered. "'I can't do it,' he said brokenly. I haven't the art to cut it down in its prime. It looks so lonely and helpless there by itself. He swept his razor around several times with a free-handed, blood-curdling swoop of his arm. Well, here goes, he said, shutting his eyes and approaching me. Tony turned away as if unable to witness the scene. I was unnerved, but I stood my ground. The deed was done, and I was at last free to depart. "'That's a terrible chest for a showgirl,' I heard him say to Tony as I did so. May 29th The world has come clattering down around my ears, and I am buried, crushed and bruised, beneath the debris. There was a dress rehearsal today, and I, from the whole company, was singled out for the wrath of the gods. "'Who is that chorus girl on the end acting frantic?' cried out one of the directors in the middle of a number. My name was shouted across the stage until it echoed and resounded and came bounding back in my face from every corner of the shadow-plunged theatre. I knew I was in for it and drew myself up majestically, although I turned pale under my war paint. "'Well, tell him he isn't walking on stilts,' continued the director, and although it was perfectly unnecessary, I was told that, and several other things with brutal candour. The dance went on, but I knew the eyes of the director were on me. My legs seemed to lose all proper coordination. My arms became unmanageable. I lost step and could not pick it up again. Yet, as in a nightmare, I struggled on desperately. Suddenly the director clapped his hands, the music ceased, and I slowed down to an uneasy shuffle. "'Sweetheart,' said the director, addressing me personally, "'you're not dancing, you're swimming. That's what you're doing. "'As a Persian girl you would make a first-class squaw.' "'He halted for a moment and then bawled out in a great voice, "'Understood it!' "'And I was removed from the stage in a fainting condition. "'This evening I was shipped back to camp, "'a thoroughly discredited showgirl.' I had laboured long in vicious, soul-squelching corsets, and like Samson been shorn of my locks, and here I am after all my sacrifices, relegated back to the scrap-heap. Why am I always the unfortunate one? I must have a private plot in the sky, strewn with unlucky stars. Camp routine, after the free life of the stage, is unbearably irksome, 
My particular Jimmy Legs was so glad to see me back that he almost cried as he thrust a broom and a swab into my hands. "'Bear a hand,' he said gleefully. "'Get to work and stick to it. We're shorter men,' he added, "'and there's no end to the things for you to do.' I did them all, and he was right. There surely is no end of things he can devise for me to do. I long for the glamour and footlights of the gay white way. I have been cast out and rejected, as many a showgirl has before me. June the 1st The morning papers say all sorts of nice things about Biff Bang, but I can hardly believe them sincere after the treatment I received. I know for a fact that the man who took my place was not need, and that the rest of his figure could not hold a candle to mine. I still feel convinced that Biff Bang lost one of its most prepossessing and talented artists when I was so unceremoniously removed from the chorus. End of Part 5